You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of History Great. Yeah, buddy. Hey. We don't have to start there. No. Nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now we were. The question was asked throughout the week. Should we? This is episode two hundred. Should we do something special? Ooh. Wow, two hundred years old, man. Time flies. Two hundred years. I meant two hundred episodes. Year old. Two hundred. No joke there. Cinephobe joke. What? what? It's a cinephobe joke. They, every episode is a year according to cinephobe. Really? Yeah. I mean, to, I, I listen to that podcast. It is fairly exhaustive. <laughs> yeah. So I can't, like, I feel terrible for Anthony Mays has the most difficult job in Metal Arc Media. I'm going to say correct. it. Yes. Producing just, just that podcast, never mind the others. You are correct, sir. I'll take the under. Under, <laughs> under on under. what? Him having the most difficult job in Metal Arc Media. <laughs> who, who, would you, who, who would you have above him? <sighs> all, of, all of us. <laughs> so we're just, so we're just com- right. we're just comparing. my head spinning is your I know your head spinning and we're our heads are all spinning right I mean it's just that's the way we work it's I a think fun Bob spinning. has a tough job it's Bob a fun has a tough job I think that is like it, we have a job like I think it's interesting because like a lot of people would look at our job and just be like man that just must be awesome always like there's nothing negative about that and I think that our job is awesome but there's also a lot of stresses that come with it and we're always working. We have to do work at home after hours. We can't just turn it off at 5 p.m. Yeah, like, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think people think of this job as like, wow, I'd love to do that, but it's you know, content's not easy. Well, to me, it's it's not like any amount of work. It's the degree to which you are mentally switched right. on. Like I don't think people realize how mentally engaging something is when you're you know sort of always have to be listening and reacting and paying attention and knowing what the next thing you're going to say is like i always feel mentally drained not because like it's hard work but because i've engaged my brain to such a level like you don't i guess we're on autopilot a lot of the time this sounds really bad right now i I know that i could just hear people listening this being like oh these guys are the worst chris is doing yeah i'm just saying do you ever long for a time Do you ever wake up in the morning and you're driving to work and you're like, damn, I got to turn it on today. Like, I wish my old job, I used to work before this, I worked at like my mom's, I, I, oh, it was nepotism, my mom's law <laughs> office. I was like an office manager there. Yeah. And that is a job. I could just show up. If I was tired, I could just show up and kind of just Hold coast. On. Hold on a second. I could I coast. Wanna, I you can't see, really coast here. I want to see Chris Cody, the office manager. Are you yeah. walking in shooting finger guns at people? I am in the office services area near a, a copy machine, fax machines. Are you wearing a tie? I'm organizing mail. No, no, no. I was doing I, like- I have you short sleeve and tie. No, it was uh, it was like dress <laughs> pants. It was like dressy pants. Not dress pants, like a suit, but just like nicer. Like slacks, like chinos? Nicer, yeah. And then uh-huh. like a collared shirt tucked in. Okay. Was, it was simple. Belt? Yep. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Not you know, as as I got there years like, you know, maybe six first few years, always a belt as the time went on, you know, maybe throw a hoodie on, you don't need the belt. Casual Fridays. Either way. But I was oh, I was taking care of sorting mail, sending faxes out, running to the courthouse. I was TCB in man. Let's, yeah. uh, right, yeah. why, why don't we all do like the jobs that we once had? Yeah. So baseball coach. Mm. I was I coached high school baseball. Yeah. You got yourself sick by trying to dip. Yep. I did the very first practice. And oh. then I worked at a restaurant and then I did office services at a law firm. The only other job I've had that was outside of media. Also umpire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I umpired as a kid. I was terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> kid umpire. Yeah. For how old? Like uh, the age it was, group? No, it was... It, it was like kid it on was, kid? I was, was a kid umpire too. I was like 13 and I was like T-ball. <laughs> Co- coach pitch maybe. And the abu- in T-ball, like they no. don't even call outs. It's just the whole lineup bats and then they the ab- switch. It might have been like... Really? The, maybe yeah, it was the yeah, youngest kid pitch. The abuse that I took from these parents <laughs> that, like, you would have thought that they were playing for That's the World cool. Series. That's not cool. I hate parents that do that shit. It was like, and, and also there was My like some arbitrary, do <laughs> you don't oh, say, there okay. was like some Age arbitrary okay. rules as well where it's like, 
because of the nature of defending like if a kid ran be like past the cutoff point then it would be a run and then like i would have to decide whether or not the kid had passed the cutoff uh, point then there was major controversy about whether or not then it was just a whole thing so anyway the only other job that i worked was at Publix. i worked as a bag boy for oh, yeah the, until for somebody shit the toilet yes. and then you yeah, walked out roy was a shoreman what else no, no, it was a longshoreman. Okay, what's the difference? Yeah, I actually, I don't know as anything as opposed to a short shoreman or a regular shoreman. I don't know what a longshoreman is. I have no idea what that job is. A uh, longshoreman uh, loads and unloads ships. Uh, you know, you got your freighters, you got um, your cruise ships. You go on, you load either suitcases or you load groceries on the cruise ships. I just watched a doc about cruise ships, of like the behind the scenes of cruise ships. And to Roy's point, like the amount of crap that is going on and off a ship in that like six hour window when a ship docks and it leaves for its next cruise like seven wow. hours later, the amount of just crap that they have. We need more toiletry. Like there's so many different sections. And they have to stock up it to is, have extra for a boat full of people for four days. The production yeah. value is very high on a cruise. Like all the shit going on that you don't see. I once saw. Uh, while they were loading groceries, a guy, because they did not take care of the equipment down on the dock, um, a guy slipped um, past the dock and the forklift went over. Into the water? Luckily, there was a net there that they attached from the dock to the uh, to the porthole hmm. and it fell in there. He leapt out before the, the, uh, the forklift went over and broke his leg. Oh! That reminds me, you ever seen that viral video of that guy in a warehouse who's like sleeping on like the, the, the uh, he's in one of these big warehouses where mm -hmm. if you like knock over one thing, it's going to like a domino over, effect, like a domino effect. And this guy, just this poor guy, probably tired. Like we were just talking about, probably just not checked in that day, just like trying to get through his job. And he's like on this like vehicle in the warehouse and he's like kind of, you just see him. He's like zones out for like three seconds of like, I'm just tired. I'm not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And he hits this thing and he knocks down like the entire warehouse Ooh. collapses. <sighs> Because oh. of one little just cart he's driving, bumping into one little corner of one of these things. And luckily, he almost died. He, like, stumbles it and then gets out of the way as the thing tumbles. And then it sends a domino effect. It was just a wild bad video. day of work. Yeah, that was a bad, bad day, day of work. Any, 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 any work. bad jobs? Um, I, used to, I used to work for a company that used to do, like, door-to-door, -door, um, like, surveys. Oh, okay. Yeah, like political surveys. Like, okay. who are you voting for in this election? You're like a pollster. Kind of like a pollster, right? Yeah. It was, it was such a... Yeah, canvassing. It was such a tough job because it's Miami. It's hot. The sun is like 37 feet away from you, just cooking you 24-7. <laughs> and you would go to... The Nobody wants to have somebody at their oh. door, ever. There's not a time unless it's a yeah. pizza person, I won't a delivery person. Do, yes. Do you guys ever do this thing where it's like, I'm on my couch, no one else is home, it's middle afternoon, knock, knock, knock. I, I look out my window, I just see it's some sort of salesperson. I just sit on my couch. I have a sign next to my door that says no solicitation. Does it work? Do people like no. not knock? No, it does not. Everybody, everybody knocks. Everybody knocks. I, it should be a we'll funny, pass. you should do, recreate your job, for, but instead of, you should survey like at the beginning of a fantasy football year. Do you have like a Who sports take? Who you take first overall? Like, just walk around your neighborhood polling people on where they're drafting just people. Just do your own poll. <laughs> okay. I, I love that. That's a great idea. Get rid of death punishment or something? <laughs> Maybe just put it down. Or a so video bit. <laughs> I, would, I would go door to door, and we had this, like, iPad that would, we would have to answer all the questions on or whatever when the people would answer. What, what kind of... It was, it, was, it was politics? Yeah, yeah. It was so like, it like, who are you voting for in the next election or Really? Whatever. Okay. Like, I mean, questions about... That actually seems kind of fun. Whenever... So, I actually... I know the names of the companies... <laughs> When I got a, like when I would see like Monmouth on the caller, he's like, "Ooh, they they want to know who I'm voting Holster. for." Yeah, like I would get excited. Now sometimes there were like consumer surveys because they're not all about you know politics. But I actually once got a call. I just started just started in radio. If I wanted to be a Nielsen house, you wow. know, like how like wow. they measure okay. TV ratings. Uh, what an honor! Right, I was like I was fired up to answer this call, and it, so I answered all the questions like, "Yes, I'm excited. I want to do this." And at the end of like, "Do you work in the media industry?" I'm like. Yeah, I do. I work in radio. Oh, now you're no longer should've eligible. Lied. Oh man, yeah, you I, you know, I should have. You narc. I should have. But man, I've like I I felt like a real power. Like I had the chance to change television in Miami. I feel, mm. I wonder if people who are in Nielsen houses realizes how, realize how important their impact on our industry is. Mm. But I I almost had the chance to do that. I would have. So close. So as as a true fraudster, what I would do is I would just fake them all. Oh, God. right. Like I'd, I no no. So they would have me walk like 87 houses, and I'm like, guys. 
It's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. This house says this. This house said uh-huh. this. This, house this. I got really good at answering oh. things. I was like, this guy's voting for and this then, person. And then we wonder why the polls are wrong. Ah, like, it oh. was like 2000 and uh, let's see. If it's 16. No, no, no. Yeah, it was okay, before good. that. It was before that. It was uh, 20. The polls were really wrong the in Florida in 16. Really wrong. Really wrong. <laughs> it was 15. Wrong. Really it was 15. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine there were a lot of Tonys walking around it was 2015 when it happened, but I would go. So this is the Wait, thing. So but, oh, oh. it could have been. It could have been for the 16 election. Yeah, but it wasn't. It didn't have. It wasn't immediate. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been the primary. Maybe. Right. Right. It yeah. was. It was way before everything kind of happened. So what I do is I'd have, you know, 170 houses to do from like on a Saturday from like, <laughs> let's say nine o'clock in the morning to like three o'clock in the afternoon and like on a saturday in the summer it is just like oh. boiling so what i would do is i take the, the and you have to like look somewhat presentable right you have to probably like put on like a pair of pants or something no no no. i would not wear pants okay um <laughs> but i did is i i would have like right well no the sunburn though yeah. uh, be careful yeah. um i would have like under armor like the top and bottom under armor so i wouldn't get like scorched by the sun and then i had like one of these big like wicker hats the ones you get like mm-hmm. you know whatever yeah and uh the ipad would follow you wherever you're going so they would know if you were at the house or not so you just walk up to the houses walk up to the house yeah. on the sidewalk i would have headphones on listening to probably the show and you just honestly. assess the house this looks like a republican <laughs> i would just go in the <laughs> best part, flag on it the yeah. best part is when it would say not home because that was another answer not home so i'd see no cars in the front boom not home and they would never check. It was great. I recently went up to Central Florida for a wedding. And ever since then, something happened. You know how you get these text messages about like Democrat, like I'm a Democrat, so I get yeah. a lot of Democratic stuff. Something happened when I went up north. My phone all of a sudden thinks I'm a Republican. Ever <laughs> since then, the last few weeks, I've been getting Ron DeSantis texts and stuff. Oh. Like, And I swear to God, the correlation is when I went up to Central Florida. Like something happened where they're like, However, that works with that stuff. Yeah. Like I thought it was based off what you're registered. It, I, I think it's locations, man. I'm telling you. I think so. I think I there's location just, data. But there's Democrats have, where you were. But I'm just telling you, it just it's. I've seen a like a it, it shifted 180 yeah. overnight. Where I was always getting Maybe Democratic stuff. Signed you up for something Maybe. without you knowing. I don't know what it is. It felt like around the time when I went, I just went up. A past lot of a lot Palm of people Beach. are getting a lot of campaign stuff right now. I get yep. nothing. I don't know if I like how hmm. I've managed to avoid all this. I'm a registered voter. Uh, like I've. I've donated politically before, and for whatever reason, I I don't get any. Maybe they see you as like a super, like voter, so they don't waste time on right. sending you stuff That's if fair. you're an active voter. That's I feel fair. like they send stuff to people that are they, swayable. They right? look at me and they're like, "That he looks like a Republican." <laughs> like, I feel like we can get him. <laughs> like, ah. so I guess we're I not doing. See him driving a truck. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I don't I don't want to further stereotype yeah, you. Yeah. Nah, you can good. do that by yourself. I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't want to like have you on a boat with a blue lives matter flag. But well, I can see you on a boat though. Yeah, I can see you fishing. <laughs> so we were meant to do something special for episode two hundred, but as ever, and Love Tart and Friends Network. Not great at planning. Happy None. podcast birthday to okay. us, you, us, us. Happy so 200 to us. And podcast happy anniversary of 200, 200 episodes. Of episodes. Yeah. 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 Numbers. yeah. Happy anniversary to, to, to us. podcast oh, 200. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Here's Darth Mead and Anthony Mays <laughs> with the review of this week's episode of Andor. Blow out the candles. Welcome back to another episode of Rule of Two, coming to you live from the Death Star. It's Darth Amin, and on some outer rim system somewhere out there on the West Coast, Darth Corn Puzzle, Anthony Mays, my apprentice. Mm. Episode six of Andor, the bookend to the second three-episode arc. Love how this show is going, Mays. It feels like I'm watching multiple seasons of the same show yeah this is our second movie that we just wrapped up right here hard to top a third act set piece like the eye the heist in the eye where are we going next there's still six more episodes what's happening six more episodes will there be more new characters that we get to know or are they all going to start blending together it's going to be interesting to see i do want to take a moment just to point out this thing was beautiful. When they first started talking about the eye in episode four, I thought, okay, so it's like this cool thing. And then I realized, oh, we're going to see this heist happen during it. How are they going to depict this thing? That sounds cool, but watching that episode, I was like, holy shit, they pulled it off. It looked amazing. And again, hate to be that guy, but compare and contrast the care and detail happening in this series versus Obi-Wan and to another extent, Boba Fett. I'm liking what I'm seeing, but let's get to it. We got our rebels on a stakeout. They are dressed like Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd in Spies Like Us when they're deep in Russia with the Russian hats and the big yak jackets and all that. Maybe it's cold outside. Nemec says he can't sleep. He's worried. What if he's not on top of his game as a result? Andor assures him the excitement will kick in. Adrenaline will take you there. Nemec has a conversation with him about how he added a chapter to his manifesto. Yeah, he was up all night writing. When he can't sleep, he likes to write. And he wrote about Clem. But not like that, I mean. No, not like he's so dreamy. He was rationalizing that mercenaries can be functional assets in the struggle against the Galactic Empire. This is... A valid point. I guess he hadn't considered this before, that they need tools, they need assets as well. They need people with experience in combat and weapons. And Andor agrees that the Empire doesn't play by the rules because the Empire doesn't care about them. You don't care enough to learn. You are nothing to them. Which was, again, this very pessimistic, cynical view of the world that is just seeping out of Cassian. While this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Nemec has just discovered, hey, we can pay people Mm -hmm. to fight who aren't necessarily bought into the the cause at all. Even though Cassian isn't as idealistic as him, Nemec is grateful for him. This is a nice little moment. Yep. Also, he bought himself a boat named Live Forever with this speech. You'll sleep when it's all done. I said, foreshadowing. (laughs) Meanwhile, we've got the... Imp Commander J-Hold. That name just made me laugh, dude. J-Hold. J-Hold. Sounds like something you would call it. a real J-Hole. Yeah. <laughs> just J-Hole here. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Anyway, so Commander J-Hold is the exact kind of asshole who's the living embodiment of the Empire. Just so dismissive of the Aldanis. He says they breed a sad combination of traits that make them particularly vulnerable to manipulation. Starts talking about how they basically inconvenience these people enough to make them give up their traditions that they don't want to give up. So they give them three options. It takes so much brain power for them to figure out which option they want. They forget that none of these options represent what they wanted at the beginning. And he starts talking about how they had 
500 pilgrims coming in, but they've dwindled it down to 60 by putting all these shelters and taverns, rest stops and things. And I said, is he describing Disneyland to us? Like just ignoring these stupid rubes with things that sell drinks that they're accustomed to drinking and... I was like, this, this is just a Disneyland analogy. Surely they wouldn't talk about Disneyland in a Disney show, I mean. Yeah. But would they talk about Disneyland in that way? Like, yeah, that's right, assholes. We know exactly what, what you like, and we put it everywhere to distract you. Only in Disneyland's case, it's to get you out of your credits, not to get you out of your traditions. It's too bad we couldn't find a second to hang out with one of the Donnies who go into one of these taverns and... Gets some goat milk or whatever and gets just gets wasted and then stumbles out and sees the eye. We didn't have time for that. The other thing also is the idea that they're trying to actively erode these people's traditions. Because he says at one point, we've been selling them on this imperial viewing party in the Enterprise Zone. Mm-hmm. Which again, is all about getting them away from their traditions, getting them away from where they live even having them move and basically assimilate to the empire, doing away with their culture and just being part of this one imperial culture. We get more office politics when Jay Hold asks Gorn about Colonel Pettigar, who is an engineer from Coruscant. There's a lot of sucking up happening there. Jay Hold is just trying to get off of this planet, as we've heard many times from many people. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be here, so he's just trying to advance himself. Big surprise. And Colonel Pettigar is the guy that he needs to impress this weekend. Who's coming to visit? A trope as old as American television. Honey, my boss is coming. We got to throw him a dinner party. Like, oh, you could have told me earlier. Meanwhile, the rebels are testing the comms. And I said, there's something almost childlike in how they test the radios, Maze. I don't know if you got that. It reminded me of kids talking into tin cans connected with a string. Echo, Echo 1, Echo 1, Valley 1. And Echo 1, of course... It's a nice little Easter egg reference to Echo Base from Empire Strikes Back. Once again, they have this tech that is circumventing normal technologies. It's a battle radio. Even when they've disabled all the other comms, this will still work. We've got Vel and Cinta hanging out in a pretty cool little bunker near a lake. We find out that Black Mustache Man, whose name escapes me, Terraman, was formerly a stormtrooper. And Maze, at this point, I gotta point out, we are batting a thousand on black stormtroopers who then flipped to the rebellion. Yes, no white stormtroopers <laughs> gave it up. None of them ever flipped. <laughs> but black ones, they did. You know why? Because they probably got treated like shit. That's why. So we've got Terraman, we've got Finn, and then we've got the lady on the horse from Rise of Skywalker. Those are the only stormtroopers we know that have flipped in all of Star Wars in nine movies and eight billion TV shows. We got three. They're all black. Shout out to us. Cynthia's family, we learned, was slaughtered by stormtroopers. So she didn't take kindly when she found out. Your theory is still in play on this, by the way. Still in play. While they're hiding in that little hideout, some soldiers come by. They take a whiz right outside of the hiding spot, which is, again, the first P in Star Wars history. And we get this line, Maze, to further reiterate, this is Star Wars for adults. I had a good look at her. Believe me. Patience was not the first thing that came to mind. Hey, he is horny, ladies and gentlemen. Jay Hold is a microcosm of imperial bloat. He tells his wife to help him get dressed. She says she's helping a son get dressed. He says he's 12. He can dress himself. And without a hint of irony there, he sees nothing untoward about this. She says the boy is ill. He says he's always ill. And I said... More family dynamics. Reverse poppy talk going on here. Yeah. Maze, do you loving it like me? Family dynamic Star Wars? We got our introduction to J-Hold here. We figured out his whole deal with these two scenes. It was plenty of baseline. And as you pointed out, he's just a microcosm of the Imperial situation of what we can expect from people like him. The rebels are now marching. The pilgrims are starting to come up. The comets are firing through the sky, but it's just like one or two at a time. It's just a trickle. Dick trickle. Just a tease of what's coming. Lieutenant Gorn is ordering the garrison to welcome the pilgrims. 
Then, after they reach the Aldani base, Andor and his fellow rebels change into their trooper outfits. The leader of the pilgrims greets Gorn. He wishes there was still some good in him. Andor and everybody show up at the base and Gorn assigns them to serve as a bodyguard for the commandant and his family. The Aldani's look definitely from the steppes of Russia or perhaps even Mongolian. Interesting. I was kind of picking up a Peruvian vibe. I saw that from a couple of, of the review videos. It remind them of like in the Andes. Yeah, like Machu Picchu. I got more Mongolia, kind of Eastern Russia, that kind of vibe. But both of them, people who live in cold climates or agrarian in nature, et cetera, et cetera. We find out that the empire leases this land, I guess, from the Aldanis with goat hides. Yes. For three year, three year lease. And he shits on the Aldani some more. They keep talking about how much they smell. You're pretty racist over here, J-Hold. You're a real J-Hold. Vel and Sinta use the same method as Cal Kestis. And then, of course, Obi-Wan used. They swim through the river under the base's dam. But they have something those other guys didn't have, which I guess because they're Jedi's, they could just, they're super in shape or whatever. They have this motor. Yeah. They hold on to it and it whizzes them on, almost like the iRobot vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. As they approach the dam, you've got soldiers running across the dam, and my man who's manning the thing is like, hey, you guys are late. He's like, they're supposed to call us. We were waiting. That's your excuse. And again, I love that in the Rogue One corner of Star Wars, we get a lot of like lower middle management people and worker bees complaining about the day-to-day. And not trying to do their jobs pretty consistently. Nobody here wants to be here. Absolutely not. It reminds me, this might be a controversial take, but when I worked in the WNBA maze, I worked for the Liberty and then I worked for the Phoenix Mercury. At the time, everybody working there was just working there because they wanted to move up to the NBA. Nobody wanted to be there. It was so rare. I guess the same thing exists to this day in the G League. It's very rare to find people who are like, no, actually, this is what I want to do for a living. Almost everybody's just there because they're trying to move up. And the same is here in the Empire. Vel and Sinta set the charges on the dam to knock out the comms and the power when the time comes. J-Hold looks at them and says, oh, they must be from Alkenzi. He doesn't think twice about it. He just doesn't care. And then the Donnie leader says, tell him our ghosts have strong hands and long memories. But Gorn mistranslates this on purpose and the Donnie leader shoots him a look because he knows that it wasn't translated properly. The Donnie's angrily toss the goat skin in the fire. They're not happy at all. Tamarin is radioing Bell and she's not responding. So sketchy that they're just talking out loud he's trying to make it look casual like valley one are you in valley one are you in and she's refusing to respond and cinta's like what are you doing is vel getting cold feet definitely and it rings back to oh these guys are amateurs man what we see of the rebellion in rogue one and even in rebels is so far advanced beyond it's just a bunch of kids playing dress up yeah now it's like oh shit this shit is real you gotta have balls to do this shit. So I enjoyed that little part right there. They follow everyone back to the base. Gorn conveniently disappears. They take the family hostage and then Pedagar draws his gun. Cinta and Vel, after rappelling down the dam, come in. Cinta shoots Pedagar, takes him out. They kept telling him, put the gun down. No one has to die. No one has to get hurt. But my man was just like, let the boy go. Let the boy watch. That is enough to motivate J-Hold to start listening once he sees someone actually die. They slap him. He's claiming that he can't open the vault, makes up these excuses. They don't care. Outside, the Donnies are beginning their celebration. We get a lot of cuts to the Donnies celebrating. Which I appreciated. It kind of grounded it just to check in with those guys. They take the control tower... Then they go down to the vault. They threaten to kill J-Hold's family. He says, you'll kill us anyway. Vel says, why? Because that's what you would do, which is another interesting juxtaposition of the Empire versus the Rebellion of like, we're not like them or whatever. My man at the top of the dam realizes the comms are down. So yeah, are your comms down? Yeah, they're fried. But everyone thinks it's because of the eye. Kimsey might be the only guy on Aldani who's trying to do his job. Yeah. 
The guards in the base are just playing cards. They're playing Sabacc. Love that detail. Maze, the game in which Han Solo famously beat Lando Calrissian in order to win the Millennium Falcon. Old game of Sabacc. And they're throwing some credits on the table there. But of course, like May said, no one is doing their actual job. And by the way, these are the guys that Gordon assigned down here on purpose because yes. he knew these were the type of slap dicks who would start a card game in the middle of this shit. So Dayhold tells the guards to cooperate and we start loading up credits and Maze, that is a shit ton of credits. This was the only part of the whole episode that didn't really work for me. I mean, is them being dependent on these idiots to load the credits for them. Yeah. I understand that J-Hold gave them the order, and so theoretically they think they're just working. Well, no, they're also held at gunpoint. That's the other part of this. Well, that's the thing. There'd be so much chaos with them trying to move all the stuff. It's just insanely unlikely to me that this would work at all. I know they don't get everything because other things go wrong, but that was really their plan. Make the Imperials do the labor here and move the credits on these little carts. Again, very, very, very on point for, is this your first heist? Yes, actually it is. It is my absolute first heist. There's a part of this where I understand what you're saying, but to me it's explained by the fact that these guys are slapdicks. The rebels are slapdicks. And Cassian all along the way is like, are you guys serious? Do you understand what you're doing? Cassian, as someone who is experienced at robbing the Empire, knew that this plan is berserk, right? So they're loading the credits. Nemec is on the radio. He's he's updating Cinta. Mm -hmm. And of course, wouldn't you know, Kimsey, ever the guy actually trying to do his job, switches from the regular comms to the battle radio just to see if he can hear from Alkenzie because Alkenzie's supposed to be calling in. And when he does, lo and behold, he picks up the frequency of the Rebels. And your boy is like my man from Role Models. Who would have thought? Me, Nimic, pulling off the heist of a lifetime, robbing a vault. And I'm like, oh my God. Can you stop using my name on the radio? <laughs> Horrible That's Bosses right. 2 yeah. action. There you go. That's using the old Hendrix brain. <laughs> and now you said my last name. Cinta shuts off the transmitter and the power, so everything's going dark. Tower one, we have a vault breach right before she shuts down everything. We get the alert. They have a light that goes on, like a check engine light Yeah, in their car <laughs> over at the Alkenzie base. We keep cutting back and forth to the Donnies. The eye begins, and it is, oh man, as you mentioned, truly spectacular. They weren't lying. I mean, like, I sat there thinking it was, like, real. Oh, I would 100% trek up the mountain, do the little fire ritual, ingest some substances, and look up at the sky for the entire time. J-Hold realizes that Lieutenant Gorn is working with the rebels. Are you surprised that Gorn blew his cover like that? Not really. He was all in at this point. And also, doesn't he come in because he thinks things are going wrong? Yeah, they're late. They're two minutes behind is what he says. Yeah. So you want to talk about somebody doing their job. Lieutenant Gorn seems like the only person who does his job on this base and also is very on point with the rebel heist action yep so j-hold calls him a traitor says that he will hang and gorn says seven years serving you i deserve worse than that Ooh. got his ass next thing you know maze what do we got we got tie fighters getting scrambled Ooh. and this was fucking cool man watching the guys walk along the catwalk and then drop down with the eye going on behind it yep and you know what i thought about no what no ground crew what's that about yeah. X-Wings, you got a guy, he's filling you up. You're doing good, Luke. All right, thumbs up. We got to have fun up there. Like, there's all types of concierge service at the Rebel base. Get in your little goddamn cockpit. <laughs> Light it up on your own. Didn't we see the ties get deployed in Mandalorian where it was on that conveyor belt and then it gets launched out of the ship? So they're always kind of suspended in the air. Yes. Same thing in The Force Awakens mm -hmm. when Finn and Poe steal one. It's embedded into the wall of the Star Destroyer and then as you activate it comes out it pops up. Kim Z comes in says what's going on here? 
Gorn says, nothing to see here. I love how Gorn tried to tell him it was a classified mission. Yeah. It almost worked. If your man hadn't passed out, it would have. Yeah. It would have absolutely worked. With the heart attack. Yep. Because of the fat foreshadowing earlier. Yeah. They had him doing manual labor for the first time in 10 years. Fat piece of shit. Yeah. Gorn gets shot. Mm-hmm. Cassian fights a soldier in the cockpit before Nemec saves him. Terramin gets killed trying to run to Vel. It's chaotic as hell. Nemec, Vel, and Skeen get on the ship. It's on the rack as predicted. And as Cassian hits the gas, a massive pallet of credits crushes our boy Nemec. First of all, I did not see that thing moving that fast. The acceleration, I was kind of taken aback. I thought it would move more like those convoys that we saw in Mandalorian season two when they're about to raid the Imperial facility. Uh, so I was surprised to see this thing actually like, yo, this bitch has got some some gas to it. Yeah, I think Cassian hit the NAS yep. to get out of there. He was in a hurry. They're not strapped in. They fall. Your boy gets crushed. And Vel hits him with the med spike, which looks a lot, Maze, like the stim from Jedi Fallen Order. Mm. That BD-1 like throws the stim out and Cal Kessis will grab it and... Injected into himself like an adrenaline shot. Yeah, I had it as the Pulp Fiction space adrenaline. Yeah, there you go. Brings Nemec back to life enough to give directions using the old school navigation unit that only he knows how to use. They're flying under the eye. The TIE fighters are coming. It's an interesting approach. They climb, then they dive, then they climb back up. And did you get this Easter egg? I mean, what's that? Nemec insisting that Cassian climb is the same thing that K2SO says to Cassian in Rogue One. Right before he dies. Yes, climb. Oh, foreshadowing. I like how he says climb and Cassian says, climb, look out the window. And I said, once again, Luna does shocked so well. (laughs) He does shock better than anybody I've ever seen. They managed to shoot the gap. The TIE fighters get burned up. Also, this reminded me of the Kessel Run. Absolutely. They get away, and I said, holy shit, they did it. Now they're out in deep space. Skeen says, we got to get Nemec to a doctor. He wonders if Vel is disappointed that Nemec is dying. Also, Sinta just walked out on foot, escaped the base. I'm sure we'll pick up with her at some point. I don't think he thinks Vel is disappointed that he's dying. I think he thinks Vel is disappointed that he's not dead. Either be dead or don't be dead. Right, right, right. The in-between is the part because now we have to worry about, do we take him to the doctor? Do we save him? Da-da-da. If he was just dead, it would be a lot easier to move on, basically. Because she's just concerned about completing the mission, but Skeen insists they go to this doctor. And Cassian makes the call. Where's this doctor? Dr. Quadpaw. Four-armed doctor. I mean, were you disappointed this wasn't Thundercat? I was disappointed it wasn't Maz Kanata. Because oh. in the trailers, we see the goggles, and I'm like, oh, it's like Maz. And he looks in the face to be of a similar species. But as Maze points out, he's got four arms. And by the way, those two other arms do not look like they're in a very advantageous position. So he's working on Nemec, trying to save him on the operating table. Vel is in there. Meanwhile, outside, Skeen... And Cassian are having a conversation. You think he's going to make it? And Cassian said, if he's lucky. And Skeen says, luck, it drives the whole damn galaxy, doesn't it? And I said, isn't that the story of Star Wars? We talk about the force just wanting shit to happen. That is the definition of luck driving. Yeah, I thought of that as a non-force sensitive people trying to explain stuff. Right? We've had so many examples of people talking about the force having this sort of will, but Skeen just calls it luck. I like that. Skeen says, you know how much we got over there? 80 mil. Skeen says, split it. Let's walk away. 40 million for you, 40 million for me. He's not really for the cause. He's only out for himself. He's rebelling against everyone. Yeah, no rebellion for you. I'm a rebel. It's me versus everyone else. Cassian asks him, what about your brother, the orchard? And Skeen says, I don't have a brother. And Cassian replies, I knew it. Who kills themselves like that? Honestly. Stones in your pockets and drowning? I knew it was full of shit from the moment you said it. No, he didn't say that. That's my editorializing, but still. Come on, I told you that shit was a ridiculous story. I mean, Skeen just read Virginia Woolf, okay? 
Relax. <laughs> so they continue talking. He says, you're just like me. I knew it from the moment you walked in. We were born in the hole. All we know is climbing over someone to get out of it. And he tells them there's a moon, eight parsecs from here. And he's trying to like point out how he could do this and shit. And Cassian just says, yeah, 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 yeah. Dutch Schultz style pulls out the gun and just shoots him. So he shoots first. This is notable in Star Wars, obviously, with the whole yeah. Han Greedo situation. But I mean, last week on the Watch podcast, even Moss Bacharach said, and he wasn't exactly a Star Wars nerd, so he sounded kind of unsure about this, but he said that his blaster was Greedo's blaster. And I'm not just talking about the same make and model. He said it was the same exact blaster that Greedo had and that the props department or people behind the scenes had traced a path for how it ended up in Greedo's hands. Now take that with a nice grain of salt. It could be true or not. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but to give him Greedo's blaster and to have him die in a situation where the other person shot first, I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, that is a deep cut indeed. All right. So, Cassian walks in to the operating room where we find out that the SS I'm going to live forever until the last time. Has written its last chapter. <laughs> bounced its last check. As Nemec is dead, they got the sheet over him. Vel is like, ah, I knew you were going to double cross us. And he's like, that's not what it looks like. We're a skein. Skeen's dead. He was trying to sell you out and take the money for himself. She said, I don't believe you. Skeen would never do that. Calls... Cassian, a disgusting bastard. First bastard in Star Wars. He says to the guy, hey, let me take your ship. I'm taking my cut and I'm leaving you with the rest and the freighter. And he gives her the kyber crystal as a sign that, look, I'm not trying to rob you blind or screw you over here. I just want what's coming to me. I did the job. I just want to get paid. I want to get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you guys. So I think she kind of believes him, and she says here, and she hands him Nemec's manifesto. She says, I don't want that. He says, well, Nemec said specifically to give it to you. And maybe this is going to be the thing that eventually makes Cassian want to be a part of something bigger than himself. Yeah, I thought that was significant because Nemec's idealism and fervor and passion, his writings will live on. We know that Cassian becomes a part of the rebel alliance down the line an important part so i like that idea of his ideas living on you know maybe that notebook the manifesto finds its way into some more important hands like mon mothma or something by the way i just want to point out i told you skeen was full of shit man okay but he didn't betray them he didn't betray them yet during the heist not during the heist he was waiting until after the heist he wasn't a spy for the empire which is what we talked about last week he just yeah. was a bad dude i'm with you he was sketchy just a piece of shit and that's why always beware of ex-cons no i'm kidding i'm kidding Andor's an ex-con. He's a nice guy. ISB on high alert. Everyone in ISB. This is an all-employee meeting right the fuck now. All hands on deck. Don't get comfortable. Now, this is the biggest blow that the Rebellion has dealt to the Empire. Up until this point, it's just these isolated little events and skirmishes. It's more an insurgency or resistance than it is an outright rebellion. So this is the first orchestrated big thing, and they definitely have the ISB's attention. Cut to Mon Mothma in the Senate and nobody's here and nobody cares about the Gormans. We're talking about Gorman again, which we know will end in a tragic massacre at the hands of Grand Moff Tarkin, but everybody else is getting Twitter notifications. I mean, they can't be bothered. Yeah, I had to go back and rewatch because at first I just thought everyone was just like, whatever, and they were just leaving because they were bored. And then when I rewatched, I realized, oh, no, they're all looking at their tablets and they're getting the news. And then eventually she gets her tablet, looks at it, and that's where we cut to Luthen's store of antiquities as he's showing off some shit to one customer. There's another guy sitting in the front reading his tablet and saying, hey, got anything from Aldani? And my man Luthen shits a brick. He looked terrified, like, oh, shit. They got me. He hits us with the David Cross. What? I don't know. What are you talking about? What do you mean? I didn't murder my brother. And the guy's like, yeah, it's all over the news. Aldani, like big rebel strike. Luthen says, well, let me check in the back. And the guy's like, no, I was just joking. I didn't. Yeah, I don't want any <laughs> goat skins or whatever they got. And those Donnies, right? 
Luthen goes in the back and he lets out the biggest cackle of, oh my God, the sigh of relief. And then, I don't know if you caught this, Maze, that last look is almost like the, oh shit, now it's for real. It's begun. This is just step one. It's begun. All right, I mean, so we lost Gorn, Terraman, Skeen, Nemec. The whole crew, basically. Sinta is still on Aldani. Bell is stranded with Dr. Quadpaw. And Cassian is just taken off with a ship. A little bit of money. So everybody's spread out. The ISB is scrambling to figure out what went down. And this was the most tonally true to Rogue One. This episode, the feelings coming out of it, the feelings that anyone could die yeah. except for Cassian because we know he dies later. And Mon Mothma. And Mon Mothma. But she's not exactly running point on these missions. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what's next and I'm not really sure what that is. It's weird that the cliffhanger is truly a cliff. He can't go back to Ferrix. We know that. He might try though. Nah, man. No way. The block is hot, buddy. The block is way too hot. No chance he goes back. So can't go back to Ferrix. Probably won't go to where the rebels are because he probably doesn't know where they are. Yeah, he's not interested in seeing Luthen again because he gives back the crystal and all that. Yeah. So what's his next move? I have absolutely no clue. He could head to a new planet. He could go meet some character that he knows. Maybe he's going to continue looking for his sister. Are the ISB going to be able to connect Cassian with this heist? That's the next question. I think we're going to get a lot more ISB in the next three episodes as they... Try to connect the dots. I think our guy, Cyril, we're going to find out who Uncle Harlow is and what job he's got. And I think we're going to see Mon Mothma and Luthen start to be like, okay, shit, we're on to something now. Yeah, I would expect Vel to get back to Luthen and to have some scenes with them. That's what I would like to see the fallout from that. And then, yes, all the ISB stuff. I think that's going to take the main stage. I'm very curious to see what Cassian does next. But that's why it's exciting to head into episode seven. We know we're starting a new three-episode arc, probably some new characters. It's a wide-open galaxy of possibilities. Some friends become enemies. Some enemies become friends. Maybe our protagonist has some difficulties. No, no, I'm sure you're fine. Well, that's going to do it for us on Rule of Two. Remember, our ghosts have strong hands and long memories. Creepy. No episode this week. <laughs> All right. Huh. Chris Cinephile? Ah, Cinephile. I'm really excited. We talked to Jeremy Lin last week. We talked Ooh, to... Ooh, Linsanity. Um, did we have a guest this week? No, we talked about Princess Bride yeah, this Scott week. You had Scott Rogowski this Scott week. Scott Rogowski. See, I, I need to like, uh, do a little Scott Rogowski. Yeah, like, yeah, you did a little prep. Princess Bride, though, great the, film. I'm going to do the intro. <laughs> great movie, Princess Bride. I love that movie. Really? Uh, yeah. 35-year anniversary. As you wish. Look at that. Exactly. Thank as you. As the Dread Pirate Roberts. Scott Rogowski and Adnan are fun together. They are Scott Rogowski, he hosted HQ Trivia, of, and he did stuff for MLB Network. He's just a fun personality. Did he cash in enough on HQ Trivia? Do we know? I should have asked him. If he didn't, he should have. Because, I mean, that was a moment. That was that, definitely you know, a moment. You, you know what I miss? I miss the VH1 I Love the Decade shows. Mm. He's great at that. I he would always be in those. Oh, dude, he would be amazing. What year was that? Was that like 29? That was pre-pandemic, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, way before the pandemic. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I feel like I remember HQ Trivia being a thing during the pandemic. No? No. That was, I that think was, it was 19 to 20. Yeah, 19 into 20. Anyway, yeah. if, there was, if there was ever a VH1 I Love 2019 there would be an eight-minute segment on HQ Trivia. Yeah. But uh, I, I feel I feel bad for the guy uh, that, like, you know, maybe 
like that was meant to be the rocket. Remember, there's a whole thing about how mm-hmm. they they let him go because he you know got like he, I mean he did get stuff with his whole politics. He started doing like baseball stuff with the with zone with after. The zone, yeah. So he kind of like you know he turned I'm it just into something. Sweet. I'm just saying, I, I, I hope he's he, got apparently he promoted it. He has like a memorabilia sports memorabilia shop in uh, Santa Monica. Wow, like he's got. We should have passed by when we were there. I thought about that. Just yeah. hope he's swimming in it. That's sure all I'm saying. Yep, me too. Uh, anyway, that's this week's episode of Cinephile. Tony, any uh, MMA massive news. Ooh. Massive, massive news that the Mystery Crate audience who listens to the entire thing and only listens to the outro, yeah. up to the outro, is mm. going to hear. So, me and Juju Gotti for UFC 280, which is October 22nd, will be broadcasting live from Big Sky Bar in Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. On the scene, we are watching the fight. It's in Abu Dhabi, massive card. UFC 280 is probably the so best it's, one it's like of the year. It's like an afternoon MMA it's hangout. It's a 2 then. o'clock. Yep, it's yeah. a 2 o'clock MMA hangout, 1022 if you're in the Atlanta area, in Buckhead. Go hang out with us at Big Sky. We're going to be having a lot of fun. What's the inspiration for choosing Atlanta? Is that because I'm going to be, yeah, I have a wedding on Friday and I'm going to be there. <laughs> okay. And then oh, yeah. Saturday, as, as they would say in Spanish, aprovechando. Aprovechando, papi, that's it. Uh, watch a little MMA. Una cosa rica, papi. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, that we're going to be there. We're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. In terms so, yeah, of uh, UFC 280, Big Sky Bar in Buckhead, uh, October 22nd, Saturday, about 2 o'clock. Me and Juju Gotti, make it happen. All right. And then uh, for me, Football with Grant Wall, check that out. I'm actually, this is a non libertarian Friends-related thing. I'll be traveling up to New York to commentate Inter-Miami's playoff game against NYCFC oh, next Monday. Right. It's my first time traveling with a team before, or actually since college. Uh, I traveled with the UM women's basketball team when I was in college. Uh, uh, Katie now, Meyer. But now uh, I'm traveling with Inter Miami, commentating the game at City Field in New York. Wow! A little little soccer and at, baseball. At field. one point on the plane, I want you to walk by one of the players and fart. I think they're taking a bus. You're taking a bus? No, we're we're we're, we're planning up to we're planning up to New York. <laughs> Wrong am track. Oh, I this is you know this is gonna sound bad, but turn around and play my, it. My, turn my, around and play it before you do it. Okay, all right, I'm gonna do it. I yeah. felt it. I felt yeah. it. Yeah. All right, I you, felt you, it bubbling you, up. You know what? You're Phantom right. Phantom strike. I'm flying on a charter. Yeah. I felt that one. I felt that one coming. Having flown on a charter before. Oh, before. Oh, wow. This guy. It's great. Oh, I bet. Wait, the entire team's going on a charter? Yeah. So it's not like a small private plane. No, no, it's a big one. Okay. But like it's a, you know, it's a, it's a charter plane. So you drive to the airport. You like just pull your bag through. I've already given them my information. So I just have to put, go through a metal detector and I'm on the plane. That's, it is Quality. Fantastic. Quality of that. Quality of that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, Inter-Miami playoffs Monday night. Say penis during the broadcast. I mean, if someone gets hit in the penis, then I'll say... Say wanker. Although, you know what? Uh, you can't I'm, say wanker. I'm scared now. I actually... I'm going to admit this. The internet rather, got you. It did. Rattled you a little bit? You know, because it's just... Did your that, bosses talk to you? I had <laughs> one person who did not say anything at the time, but several months later, a little shade? Over, over drink said to me, I thought you had ruined your career. Wow. <laughs> but then... Like, Boy, the, were they wrong. But then the context of was explained, and they're like, okay, fine. That's, you know, whatever. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still scared of it. I, I'm rooting... I'm actively rooting against people to get hit in the penis mm. when I'm doing games now. Right. Mm. So you were, you were actively you were rooting, rooting for it before. Yeah. I was, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's a mean thing. I'll never miss your Okay, goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.